Well, good morning and welcome. It is again me, Kirsty McGregor, without Alex. Alex is on a South African public holiday. They have lots of them, I'm told, and today is one. So instead, I have persuaded encouraged let's say uh, strong-armed some might say someone into joining us in place of Alex as my co-host I am accountant in residence at Capitalize and founder of the corporate finance network and we had Will Strong on last week as our interview one of our team uh, and I said we don't normally have lots of our team on and here you are you're getting to meet somebody else again and um, this time someone that sits right across the desk from him in our London office um, it's Luke Lucas Mudd Thank you, Luke, for joining us. Uh, this is your first breakfast news podcast, but you have been on a an interview type podcast with us before, I think, haven't you? Yes, yes. So you've got me out of bed early for a podcast, which is great because it gets my mind going earlier. But yes, I have been on one previously, just not this early, Kirsty. <laughs> Well, you know, you can pretend that it's eight o'clock in the morning, but it's not. Everyone knows we record them the day before. So <laughs> nice try. <laughs> anyway, this all kept, kept up because um, I, I knew Alex was going to be on holiday and I picked my first story. And it just happened to be a property story. And I thought, I know, let's get Luke in because Luke is our property funding specialist. So I've decided to pick three stories from the property sector this time um, because I know that Luke's going to be able to add some real insight in, into this market for us. He has been with us about six months now, I think. Yeah, yeah, just over six months. And is adding real strength and depth to our cases where there's a property or a development a construction element to them. So you work predominantly with us in commercial property finance now, but you're also a qualified CMAP, is that how you pronounce it, mortgage advisor? Correct, yes. So my, my background is in kind of all forms of retail and uh, real estate finance from private and corporate banking. So we have a real big emphasis here on commercial borrowing, so trading businesses, commercial investments. But my background and what I'm looking to bring is a bit more into the investment space, you know, to, to help residential buy-to-lets, bridging development, and also focus on the commercial side. And you're doing a brilliant job at it. Um, so I just want to know, I've picked three different stories here from different publications that I, I've come across. Where do you find your intel? What would be uh, a good source of information for someone that wants to keep up to date on the, the latest news in the sector? Yeah, of course. So I think one of the, 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 the best daily bulletins that I read and kind of review every day is the NACFB morning briefing. Okay. So it comes into the mailbox 8, 830 it just doesn't just give an indication on commercial finance, which is primarily what the NACFB do, but it does give a really big insight into the commercial appetite in the marketplace, lenders' appetite, case studies for different types of property deals. So that's my go-to first thing. You've got the NRLA as well, which is really good source for, for publications and lender bulletins. You know, we forget that we work with mm. 100, 150 lenders. I'm not saying we subscribe to every one of them. But, you know, picking a few of those out of key industries gives a really good insight into what they're looking to do, innovations, products, piece of marketing. And, and that's really good to, to understand. And then boots on ground, always for LinkedIn. Mm. I show my age, but I'm still part of some property Facebook groups. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of social side is really key as well, because it shows boots on ground, what's happening ground level today, this morning, you know, what people are seeing. Yeah, good. Right. Good to know. So I guess most accountancy firms uh, out there have got at least one or more clients in development or, or they've got uh, clients that own uh, buy-to-let uh, portfolios 
or have some sort of uh, commercial property and um, obviously businesses themselves may as well so really great um, insights there thank you Luke for people to, if you want to just keep up to date a bit more but today I've picked three in particular things that I think are going on at the moment in this sector and um, I want to know what, what you think about them. So the first one is um, from Development Finance Today which is one that I get emails from and I just found it really useful um, and it's about um, a company called Top Hat who are a modular house builder or MMC as it's called uh, Modern Methods of Construction and the reason this one caught my eye is the size of it. So it's raised an investment of 70 million pounds to open a new factory to build more modular housing um, from new and existing shareholders. And they intend to build 4,000 low carbon homes a year. And I do like this, um, this, this style of construction uh, because I have got no contacts personally in my family or whatever that are in the trade. And we did start to look at potentially buying some land uh, last year and it didn't come off in the end. But I was thinking about if we bought some land and built on it, how on earth would I project manage a, a development? And I have seen grand designs enough times to know it always goes pear shaped. <laughs> and I was like, it needs to be as simple as possible. And this definitely appealed to me, this uh, idea of building in this way. So it, it's why it, it really struck uh, a chord with me. Um, so it's they've been um, they've in, had investment from Persimmon, yep, um, and obviously um, their other investors, including Aviva. So uh, they're also backed by Goldman Sachs. So they've got some really good names in there. Um, what, what did you think of this story? It's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think, you know, one of the interesting parts here is the investment from Persimmons being a shareholder, them themselves being, a, you know, a, a standard construction yeah. um, developer. So it's interesting that they believe so much in the modular construction industry that they're looking to venture out and try something new. I think it's great. Yeah. I think anybody who wants to bring more units more stock into the housing market you know has has my seal of approval yeah um and it's really important to understand where we are in terms of stock value in, in the market's place today you know people have been banging in the drum about the the deficit of housing we have in the uk how that drives the rental markets the the sales the uplift in values but we're building about one hundred eighty thousand houses a year at the moment um you know, and if that trend continues, 5% increases per annum, you know, these guys are going to be responsible for, for 2% of every house built in the UK wow. as a modular construction. And mm. it just goes to show that these types of constructions are, you know, increasing, they're getting better, they're getting quicker. Um, so it's, it's just really good to see that, A, they're, they're bringing more property in, and, and secondly, you know, you're employing a thousand local young people into this factory to, mm. to build these modular properties to ship around the country. The jobs that creates for the local economy is, is as good to me as anybody who's bringing housing into the into the economy as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. More than one benefit, definitely. And um, yeah, it is quick, isn't it? I mean, it's and, and I suppose what I was quite shocked at when I started looking into this is that a couple of the developers, um, I the MMC companies I was looking at, 
I couldn't really find many complaints about, you know, the, how it, how it, the process has gone, no. the quality of the build, the quality of the property at the end. They get really, they get really good feedback. So they must be yeah. doing something right. Um, and, and I think it's, I think it's the change and the growth in that. I, I remember kind of maybe five years ago, we were looking at an, an extension on our property hmm. and a modular, you know, I don't know, five by four meter came up and, a crane drops it in on the foundations yeah. in the back of your house. You open a door and, and it and it's there, it's ready. you know, yeah. it's ready, ready to yeah. go, roof on. So I think designing houses in that way where you can ship them, put them together, yeah. reduces well, not yeah. just the cost, but the time. And and they've been quite clever as well in that they're wrapping all the trades into it as well. So yeah. so they drop the, the the building in, but then they bring in the the plumbers, the electricians, and plasterers, and everyone else to to finish the house. And they're doing the whole thing in about twelve weeks. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm all for that one. Love that story. Um, now this one is a bit bit more sad. Um, it is again about res- residential properties, um, and it's from someone that you mentioned, the NRLA. <laughs> They've merged, haven't they? It used to be they the NLA have, yeah. and the RLA, and now they've merged. It's a nightmare to say it. Um, the Residential Landlords Association, anyway. And they um, have got a lot of reports that go out from them. They do some really good work in the sector. Um, and they have got some research showing that of all the private rental uh, sales, uh, sector sales business that were, uh, of houses that were done last year, 73% of them were from landlords who are now retiring and there's been such change. I was a little bit involved in this sector about um, 10 years ago when um, I was uh, potentially look, looking at uh, running a business with somebody uh, attached to it. And I found that it was a very difficult business to, to, to launch because there were like so many of the landlords, uh, they've got one or two properties and that's it. You know, they, they've just got a few one, ones that they've um, acquired as part of, you know, um, unfortunate um you know death in the family or mm-hmm. or they've got divorce or the separate houses or whatever and um there's very few that are like serious landlords where they've got like 10 20 or 50 properties or more yeah. and that makes it very scattered and if there are so many landlords retiring now because they they can't they just can't cope with the hassle of, of mm-hmm. being a landlord anymore and also the costs and the mm-hmm. tax you know it's all it's nowhere near as profitable as it used to be um, I can understand why so many of them are retiring um, so I think the RLA and RLA are doing a, a great job supporting landlords but this is this is worrying isn't it again because of the lack of stock in the market yeah I, I mean absolutely and, and you know we have to look back to when when these types of landlords would have been buying properties early to mid 90s so they have the benefit of capital appreciation of these properties going up in value you know so we have to take that into account but i mean i was shocked that you know that the statistic 73 percent of these sales are coming from retiree landlords and you are you know absolutely right and it it begs the question of with an additional income source which most of these individuals would have had as a, a private pension yeah. Um, as you know, they may have been in the in the trades, in the construction, self-employed, where pensions weren't as uh, available for smaller businesses as they are today. This was their pension pot, and now they're selling that, selling the residual income, mm. because it's not profitable. You know, because it is a headache. Um, those getting to that age who aren't maybe as computer savvy as as I or, or this mm. generation. You know, when they're told that an EPC must be a C or above, 
they're thinking, well, what, what, what does that mean? What do I need yeah. to do? How much does that cost? Yeah. Now, how much is that eating out of my new retirement plan that I'm putting in place? So you're absolutely right. It, 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 is, it is sad to see that we have this, you know, sale of kind of retirees and, and selling of pension pots. But I think always looking at the silver lining of the cloud, we have to think there's a lot of property now about to come into the marketplace. Yeah. Um, with the sales you know there was capital appreciation on their side so they've not done this for nothing they've provided good housing stock to many families Mm. all around the country and we are a smarter generation today we we learn more from social media we learn more from the internet and I think landlords have become as you said not as scattered today Mm. there's a, a clear plan as to why you would go into property because it's not profitable you have to look for the profit as opposed to just having it appear. Mm. So, you know, a 65-year-old landlord would have rented a three-bedroom detached house and taken a £1,000 a month. A landlord today would look at that and think, okay, that to me is three flats. Yeah. I can let that to three families. It will be worth double the price and I can get three times the income. Mm. So not just are they looking at it from a, a business and a profitability angle, but actually, again, it's increasing that housing stock. You had one family, now you've got multi-families, three homes that can be created out of that property. So look, I'm, I'm really shocked at the statistic. I didn't think it would be that high. But I think out of these types of you know, situation um, come new opportunities for, for younger landlords. Yeah, and I think the isn't that you know the build to rent sector is growing a lot as well as as business as as developers are recognising that um, there's opportunities there. Uh, the rental market is growing still. Uh, we're very much a, a rent you know generation rent they call it, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, where people want to be flexible, they don't necessarily want to buy their own home anymore. So it isn't just those that are on benefits and can't afford to buy their own home, but people are choosing to rent and they're Correct. wanting different types of properties and different types of um, contracts with their landlords um, and, and I guess that's what the government's looking at as well so there's a lot going on in that yes. in that area isn't there um, um, and, and the, uh, yeah the NRLA do lots of great work and, and they do. Source, source of brilliant um, information as well you can join and get magazines from them and all sorts of things this time the last story though is going to be on the commercial side um, something that we, we come across quite a lot is um, in property development and construction businesses um, and on the face of it, this is a, a report from Construction Enquirer, which is not one of my normal daily reads, I must say, but uh, I came across this on, on Twitter when I was looking for news. And um, the the headline uh, is not great, uh, but if you dig deep, there is some good news in it. Um, in the, the commercial and civil engineering work, um, has grown for the second month running. So overall construction growth is still down, but particularly within the commercial space, having just spoken you know, two stories on the residential space, uh, but here on the commercial space, um, it is uh, picking up. So that's that's really positive, is it? it must mean that businesses believe that they're going to need more premises and they're instructing commercial um, construction companies to develop for them. Correct, correct, absolutely this. And I think it's that it's that shift um in you know the, the last couple of years three or four years have been really tough for, for the retail industry especially um but what that's driven is people's ability to promote themselves and look into businesses that favor their lifestyle to favor how the world has shifted and changed and i think 
you know, we did have the max exodus of, of, of um, you know, resignations in 2020, 2021. I think some of those were to think, actually, what can I do to, to help myself grow a business, start a business? So I think after months of hearing woes about the construction industry and how the industry is kind of falling on hard times, it's really nice to see the shift that there is business out there and that business is consistently growing month on month to start you know commercial enterprises and commercial properties commercial premises and this won't be limited just to you know the big online e-commerce retailers the amazons the argos yeah exactly you know this is this is going to be for for retail uses workshops business Business premises absolutely and you know this will hopefully trickle down from the the larger construction companies and, and civil um kind of units into smaller businesses builders plumbers plasterers as we were talking about before and putting that money back into the economy to again can consistently grow and develop that commercial space which is it's just great it's a great story to hear it really is i always turn to the construction sector to have a look at how they're doing as a sign of the future and i do mm-hmm. think that when they start showing some green green shoots then there is hope and uh, you know we're on the turn so um yeah it is like you say it's a great a great news story and we always try and finish with a positive one and that's and that's where we finished today thank you ever so much luke really appreciate you coming and giving your take on those stories with all the experience that you've got uh, for those of you that are new to capitalize our vision um as Luke is part of the funding specialist team is that our um, partners give their clients, their uh, businesses, uh, transparency and control over their own business finance so that every small business can identify the risks that they face, explore how they stand from a credit perspective and be able to uh, choose the right funding that fits their business should that be necessary. So don't forget, please, to rate and review our podcast. We are back again um, in two weeks with a news article, um, three news stories you may have missed. Hopefully, Alex will be back. I don't think it's a public holiday in two weeks. I'll check his diary. Um, And in the meantime, we will also release next Friday our latest interview podcast, as we always do. For more about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalise, please check out capitalise.com. Thanks very much, Luke. Enjoy the rest of your day. Don't try and kid everyone. It's six o'clock in the morning. No, <laughs> no. Thank you, Kirsty, for having me. It's been it's been a pleasure. I'll go get some some late lunch. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you.